You're listening to Brave Girls Club. I'm Lindsay. I'm Kelly. And I'm Krista. And this, this is, is a podcast. podcast. Welcome <laughs> to a thing that we're doing. Yeah. Uh, Krista and I are playing with sick ass fidget spinners right now. Can you hear it? Cool. <laughs> cool. Tight. Yeah. I don't have one. Here, Kelly, Kelly, you can try mine. Oh, I haven't even touched one yet. Oh, whoa, this is heavy. That one's got emojis on it. Yeah. That means it's Ooh. super cool. Oh, it's covered in peanut butter. Don't you wash your hands? No. <laughs> My sink's broken. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get the appeal. Now They're I need fun. to buy one. Yeah, they are fun. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Oh I like God. it too. I think yeah. I like it too. So, just real quick, I just had to give a mention out to. Uh, I've been watching Riverdale, <laughs> and I love it, and it's really good. I'm only on episode six, but so it's far, good. so good. Cole Sprouse, hit me up. <laughs> yeah. Does anyone die on this show? Yeah, it is like yeah. a murder yeah. mystery. Oh, murder really? Mystery. Yeah, huh. it's real fun. Mm -hmm. It's fun. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's spooky. It like reminds me of something that I would watch around Halloween time. So like mm -hmm. when I'm laying in my bed, I feel like it's like Halloween when I'm watching it. Except it's, it's like, like 106 degrees outside and you're sweating. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, it's really hot right now. But I'm just like now. thinking real hard. Like it's fall. <laughs> you know what? Me too. Yeah. <laughs> While we're all dying out here in the desert. Yeah. Or in the dirty D, as we called it in our last <laughs> episode. We're a bunch of sweaty sweeties. Aw, that's cute. That's cute. Let's get jackets. <laughs> you guys want to be a roller derby team? The yes, sweaty the sweeties. <laughs> sweeties. Roller derby. That would be so cute. That's a perfect name, actually. And none of us wear deodorant. Mm -mm. <clears throat> no, I don't. The stanky sweaty sweeties. But we cute, though. Yeah. <laughs> In parentheses, but we cute, though. <laughs> yeah. Do we so, have any stories? I mean, like, um, news stories we to have start with? a bunch of yeah. <laughs> news stories. I'm excited about them. Uh, well, which, which one should I start with? I forgot the first what we one. Have. The first one. Woman dies after getting allegedly gnawed to death by caretaker nod okay so <laughs> they found this woman i think her son found her when he went to go visit her she was like this 91 year old woman oh, no. and the caretaker is like passed out on the floor with blood all over her face and in her mouth and it's like this super old lady who like died to death from getting chewed on and oh my god, where did she chew her? Her face, her arms, her neck. She had a piece of her chin missing. Oh Ew. my god. That's nasty. <laughs> it was like an old lady. That's gross. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was <laughs> but if it was anybody else. I mean, like, especially gross because they're probably old and, like, if they needed a caretaker, they're probably kind of gross. Yeah, that's well. true. <laughs> that's disgusting. I'm Wait. sorry. <laughs> Krista, the problem you have with the story is that she probably didn't taste good. Yeah, that's gross. I mean, like, she, like, that's dirty, and I wouldn't put that in my mouth. So if it were, like, a hot lady, you'd be down for biting her to death mm. and biting her chin off? It would make more sense to me. I don't think so. 
I think no matter who you bite to death, it's going to be equally weird. And gross and Whatever. dirty. <laughs> Whatever. And so... Uh, how, old, how old was the caretaker? Oh, I don't know. There's a picture of her. And apparently I'm really bad at judging age, but she looks pretty like 50-ish. But then the next Yeah, article, the next... Speaking of age... There's this lady that looks almost 50-ish. Like, the, they look the same. Uh-huh. And I read the article and she's 16. Hmm. Did you, did you did you what did she do? She <laughs> she bit a baby to death almost. <laughs> well, read the read the read the article <laughs> title. Okay. The title of the article is misleading though. It says babysitter on crystal meth eats 3-month-old toddler. She did not eat the toddler. She just bit him a bunch and put him in the microwave, but the toddler's fine. <laughs> he didn't she didn't eat the baby. And and another did it thing, fit? like how did it fit? That's what I said. It must have been a really big. I, I've been three going to Home is Depot not a, a toddler. Yeah, that's that's another three? weird thing that I found. Three year old is toddler, is it? Yeah. Three month. Three oh. month old, not three that's years. That's an old. infant. That's a yeah. baby. That's a zero to three month old. I don't, that's infant. Well, I don't trust this website because it says that the baby got eaten. So. Is that um, Fox News? No, it's. God damn it! <laughs> oh wait, you sent this. It's I did. World <laughs> News Daily Report. I just saw it on Facebook and I was like, spooky. And they I put also, it in the chat. <laughs> they, they also post a lot of high school fights on that. Oh. I'm into those. So check it out. Check it out. I'm and just then, kidding. I don't know. I was just thinking of World Star. I found this article. <laughs> world Star. Yeah. Oh, wait. You're talking about World Star? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, this isn't World Star. And that's what, just what it reminded me of. Okay, and then there was this other article, Florida elementary teacher fired for biting special needs student. All these ladies look the same. And they're, they're all, all biting people. Biting like helpless people. Um, Brainworms? That's what I'm thinking. Virus? Zombie. Brain fever. Brain fever. It's going to be 28 <laughs> Days Later, zombies. What? <laughs> what? Lindsay was just spinning the fidget spinner on her toe and I looked at it and it didn't register. I was like, that's normal. And then I looked at Lindsay's face and she's staring at me right in my eyes. And I'm like, oh, that's what what's going on? It was completely normal until I saw the look on her face. <laughs> These things are too fucking distracting. Kids should not have those in school. <laughs> wow. Okay, well, that's so, all the stories of ladies biting helpless people. Did anything else happen this week? Let me scroll um, through the chat. Do we want to um, do, like, a hometown shout-out of, like, some oh horrible God. shit that happened where we live this week? What oh happened? My God. I don't have my phone on me, but uh, a tattoo artist was just arrested for raping a customer. Yeah, this girl, I know, this girl I know, Courtney, posted, like, screenshots of her conversations with him, and it's so creepy, and it's, like... I'll give you like a deal on a tattoo, but we have weird fire codes. Can you come alone? Stuff <gasps> like that. Like creepy, creepy. Uh, hell no. Also, I also have a friend who used to work at that tattoo shop and he like tried to rape her also. Yeah. And nobody believed her, Can right? You no one believed her. Nope. The tattoo shop to me. Um, it's, I don't know what the name is, but it's on like, uh, articles. Do you know it? Say it out loud. It's T-Mart Collective <laughs> off Bear Valley Road. Well, Team Art Collective, yeah. Don't go there. Well, he's arrested now, but I don't know if the other... I think the other employees, like, in my friend's case, were, like, covering up for him. Ew. But I need to double check on that. Gross. Yeah, and no one Team believed Art her. Collective. 
but um, I guess online now that that's coming out, like a bunch of people, like girls, have been commenting on it, like with their stories Damn. with him. Mm-hmm. Oh, are you pulling up the article? Yeah, I'll show you guys later because Courtney posted like Ew, screenshots. He's yeah. scary looking. He's gross looking too. Yeah. She posted screenshots from her and from girls that she knows. So it's like multiple things. And it's all the same thing. Like, oh, it would be better if you didn't bring your friend. (gasps) Like creepy, creepy. Oh, my God. Don't go anywhere without your friends. I don't. Your phone is so heavy. (laughs) (laughs) Don't go anywhere without your friends. That's awful. So, yeah, that happened. Victorville man arrested after entering parents' bedroom engulfed in flames. Oh yeah, I, I did see I, that. I saw that too. You, I think it you was posted an it, but I don't think I, <laughs> I don't think I read it. How was that an accident? He, like, he lit himself on fire on accident. Well, then why did he get arrested? I don't know. I think he was on <laughs> meth or like doing uh, meth or something. Well, that's the problem. I could be one hundred percent wrong. I'm just. <laughs> from my memory i don't know wait he ran into someone's bedroom His on parents. fire mm-hmm. damn <laughs> imagine that oh speaking of on fire can i go first this week yeah Ooh, yeah story yeah okay do we have anything else to mm, man fatally shoots wife in apple valley <laughs> oh yeah that happened and then there's that um that family that was on wife swap the son killed his brother and his mom oh, yeah. what a fucking surprise oh yeah <laughs> Wait, can you like, read the chat messages <laughs> oh. from that? What Krista said? Yeah. What? The family who makes their kids do 20 chores to earn the privilege of listening to one pre-recorded 1940s radio show and whose sons have never seen a girl in real life besides their mom? Involved in a murder? Well, I am just plum flabbergasted. <laughs> that was funny. That Thank made me you. juggle. Thank you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <sighs> okay, anyway, so speaking of being on fire... <laughs> yeah. Um, oh. I would like to tell my story this week first, if that's okay. Yes. I thought Lindsay was about to tell like a firsthand story. Like, oh, one I, time I, I, I set myself w- on I fire. Was on, I accidentally set myself on fire and ran into my parents' bedroom. <laughs> it was just that <laughs> one it. time I tried meth. Just one time. Just kidding. I never did meth. That's scary. I like my teeth. <laughs> Same. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. That's okay. I'm all right. I'm good now. I'm, I'm all right. <laughs> okay. So my story this week is the murder of Robbie Middleton. <gasps> Who is she? <laughs> You'll find out. Okay. So um, on the evening of June 28th, 28th, 1998, Robbie Middleton set out from his parents' home in Splendora, Texas. I think it was in Texas. Probably. Um, He was on his way to a friend's house for a sleepover through the wooded area near his home when he was attacked. His assailant tied him to a tree, doused him with gasoline, and set him alight. Uh, Engulfed in flames, Robbie was able to free himself from the tree he was tied to and run to the roadside, where he collapsed in a puddle of his own melting flesh. Wow. His mother would find him there shortly thereafter. Oh, yeah. It was Robbie's eighth birthday. Oh, man. Yeah. So uh, he was rushed to the hospital where the doctors diagnosed him with third degree burns over um, 99% of his body. Third degree is when you melt. Yeah, pretty cool. much. Um, all but the soles of his feet were horribly burned and disfigured. Doctors did not expect him to survive. Miraculously, Robbie pulled through. 
200 surgeries and skin grafts later, Robbie was alive, but not without his issues. His eyelids were completely burned off, and he was legally blinded in the attack. He could not live on his own and spent most of his time in and out of hospitals. Um, He became a financial and emotional burden on his family, and his parents missed many important occasions and celebrations with Robbie's siblings due to his constant need for care. The next 13 years were hell on him and his family, and to add to all the pain, Robbie developed a special, um, like, rare kind of skin cancer that only occurs in skin graft patients. Oh, my gosh. And he died at age 20 in April 2011. So... You may be asking yourself, where's the murder? Yeah. And Krista. I will tell you. How'd he get on fire? Um, he was attacked in the woods and someone lit him on fire. What the hell? Um, because he died from complications of injuries he sustained during the attack, Robbie's death was ruled a homicide. Mm-hmm. Because they had no leads to begin with, his case had never been solved up until Robbie's deathbed confession revealed Don Collins, then a neighborhood teen, as his attacker not only did he reveal that collins was the one who doused him in gasoline and lit him on fire he also revealed that collins had raped him a week or two before the attack oh my, oh my god. god yeah he waited 12 years to say this mm-hmm. 13 years 13 years on his deathbed he said it wow so um don collins was 13 at the time uh-huh. of the attack um so initially Prosecutors did not have enough evidence to arrest Collins for the crime, but they were able to get him for failing to register as a sex offender because he had molested a child in 2001, completely unrelated to Robbie's case. Mm. Robbie's family won a wrongful death lawsuit against Collins, and the court awarded the family $150 million. But since Colin was homeless, they would never see a penny of the money. But in 2013... A Montgomery County judge transferred their case from juvenile to adult court. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> That's okay. Yes, Malik's playing his Snapchats being rude. I'm just kidding. So um, a Montgomery <laughs> County judge transferred their case from a juvenile to adult court in 2013. The DA was able to charge Collins with a felony murder because of a doctrine called the felony murder doctrine. This enabled them to charge anyone who commits a felony to be responsible for any death that occurs in the commission of the crime. The felony here being the sexual assault of a minor, which led to the arson that turned into Robbie's skin cancer, which eventually killed him. During the trial, evidence included a testimony from Collins' former cellmate, who told prosecutors that Collins had raped him as well, and then threatened to set his head on fire like he did to the Middleton boy if he told anyone what he did. God. So on Psycho. February 9th, 2015, Don Collins was convicted of capital murder and was sentenced to 40 years in prison. The end. Shit. Yeah. What is, what is that law? The felony murder clause? Um, the felony murder doctrine. Doctrine? Mm-hmm. That's Which, like one of those things where it's like if you're breaking and entering and someone that you're with like shoots someone or mm-hmm. even I think if you get shot you can be charged with murder yeah yeah and it wasn't in place when like the crime happened but it was written in later yeah and that's what because they were having a hard time like finding a way to prosecute him that's weird and then they found that Mm -hmm. 
that's weird that it can yeah. be applied like later on mm-hmm. because like the statute of limitations for like the rape was up yeah. but since he died huh. they were able to apply it it's that crazy is some legal jujitsu <laughs> wow mm-hmm. but i've also like heard of that doctrine being used really shittily oh really yeah like imagine three people break into a house to steal something and then the owner of the house shoots one of your friends to death Mm -hmm. you get charged for the murder because you broke in and you were committing a felony yeah that kind of sucks yeah yeah wow that's just one of those weirdo laws that was a in Robbie's case. That was a good story, Krista. Yeah, that's super crazy. Thanks. I thought it was kind of a fun one because it was like he didn't die until 13 years yeah. after. Yeah. I can't imagine melting and still being alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. There's like, you can see pictures of him before and after the attacks online. But I guess he was really popular still, even when he was like... <laughs> in hospitals and stuff like that mm-hmm. like he, ha- he he always had a girlfriend <laughs> like really yeah and he <laughs> was yeah. like he was very charming Aww. and stuff even though he was like not feeling great <laughs> you know Good being melted and all but yeah he seemed like a cool dude so that sucks awesome yeah yeah hmm. what do you want to do now do you want to do yours Mine is kind of a bummer. <laughs> do you want me to go? I mean, do you, do you want to go? I feel like I should go first because mine is a bummer. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. So basically this is like. Mine's kind of a bummer too. Okay. You can go ahead. Well, mine is like. This is a murder podcast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> mine is mine is not a murder. It is basically a little, little baby science lesson followed by a story. I am ready. A cool. sad story. Okay. I'm going to talk about lobotomies. Oh. So, if you don't know, the lobotomy is a type of neurosurgery known as a psychosurgery. The idea behind psychosurgery is that severe forms of mental illness can be treated by changing the way that the brain works. Doctors believed that by severing the connections the, that the prefrontal cortex had to the rest of the brain, they could calm patients' emotions and stabilize their personalities without doing away with their intelligence and motor functions. The prefrontal cortex serves a number of complex functions in the brain, usually called executive functions. Some executive functions are higher-level decision-making and planning, reasoning and understanding, personality expression, creativity, and behaving in a socially acceptable way. So the prefrontal cortex is connected to many other regions of the brain, including the thalamus, which receives and relays sensory signals. The brain is essentially composed of two different types of matter, gray and white. Gray matter includes the neurons along with their blood vessels and extensions, while the white matter comprises of the axons that connect the areas of gray matter and carry messages between them through electrical impulses. Hmm. So a lobotomy was ideally intended to sever the white matter between different areas of gray matter so that the gray matter communicates in a different way than normal. The first true lobotomies were performed in 1935 by Portuguese neurologist Dr. Antonio 
Egas Moniz and Dr. Alameda Lima. Initially, they drilled holes in the skull on either side of the prefrontal, prefrontal cortex and injected the connecting fibers with alcohol to destroy them. Ooh. However, the pr this procedure resulted in too many complications, including damage to other parts of the brain. Moniz then decided to use a tool called a leukotome. After drilling holes in the skull, the doctor pressed on the back of the tool, which extended a wire or metal loop inside of the brain. By extending and then retracting the leukotome, he could remove cores of white matter. In 1936, a neurologist and psychiatrist named Dr. Walter Freeman and his partner, Dr. James Watts, began performing lobotomies in the United States. Ten years later, Freeman patented a new method. Moniz's technique, called a prefrontal lobotomy, required a patient to go under general anesthesia in an operating room. Freeman wanted to find a technique that was faster, more accessible, and less expensive, so he decided to get to the prefrontal cortex through the eye sockets instead. Freeman first practiced on cadavers using an ice pick, which is, now, which is how the method came to be known as the ice pick lobotomy. I hate thinking about that. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Krista. <laughs> it like hurts my eyes. It's okay. I can, <laughs> I can deal with it. When he began performing the transorbital lobotomy on patients, he used a stronger version of the leukotome that resembled an ice pick called an orbitoclast. I think that's pronounced. After going through the top of the eye socket, Freeman could enter the brain just by tapping lightly on the orbitoclast with a hammer to break through the thin layer of bone. Yes, lightly with a hammer. <laughs> then he twirled it to cut through the fibers. After pulling out the orbitoclast, he, the procedure was repeated on the other side. The transorbital lobotomy took 10 minutes or less. Because it didn't require drilling through the skull, it could be done by rendering the patient unconscious via electroconvulsive shock. It could also be done by non-surgeons. Since most mental hospitals didn't have operating rooms or surges on staff, the new method made it easier for a patient to get the procedure. Eventually, Freeman performed lobotomies as outpatient procedures in his office, in addition to doing them in mental hospitals and teaching other doctors how to do them. So you, like, didn't even have to be a surgeon to be doing this. That's probably not good. Yeah. This is some American Horror Story Asylum shit. Someone does get a lobotomy in that. Yeah, and have you seen me One Flew Over Cuckoo's Nest? Yeah. I have not, no. I, also, well, I won't spoil it for you. <laughs> it also reminds me of Sucker Punch. Oh, I haven't seen that. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love that movie. I love that movie. Okay. So that's the science lesson. And now I'm going to tell you the story of Rosemary Kennedy. Okay. Rosemary. On September 13th, 1918, Rose Kennedy, wife of prominent businessman Joseph Kennedy Sr., went into labor with her third child. Rose's obstetrician was called to the Kennedys' home, but with the Spanish flu epidemic raging through Boston, he failed to arrive before the baby entered the birth canal. While waiting for the doctor, the attending nurse ordered Rose to keep her legs closed tightly, even helping her hold them shut. When this didn't work, the nurse pushed the baby's head back into the birth canal they and straight held up it said there. Hold the baby in. Yeah. What? <laughs> okay. When this didn't work, the nurse pushed the baby's head back into the birth canal and held it there for two hours. What Wait, the why fuck? didn't they want her to have the baby yet? They were waiting for the doctor. 
if the baby's coming, the baby's coming. Yeah. And there's also like this note that the nurse like knew how to deliver babies. Like she could have done it on her own. Wow. And, the, and at this point they knew that this could like harm the baby. And she just, she just didn't want to deal with the baby yet, I guess. I don't know. Oh my God. The fuck? <laughs> when the baby finally arrived, she was named Rosemarie Kennedy after her mother and was later nicknamed Rosemary. On the outside, Rosemary appeared as any other Kennedy child, but as she grew older, the effects of being deprived of oxygen while held in her mother's birth canal became apparent. Every infant milestone, crawling, standing, walking, speaking, arrived later than it should have. This delay continued at school. Teachers advised that she repeat kindergarten and later the first grade as well. Joe and Rose Kennedy, who both came from overachieving families, were known for placing high academic and physical expectations on their children, and they made no exception for Rosemary. Both parents believed that Rosemary could be cured through a combination of holding her to the same standards as her siblings, specialized education, and experimental injections. Despite their best efforts, Rosemary would never advance intellectually past the fifth grade, staying around an IQ of 70, which is... FYI about forest gump levels. So it's like Aww. she's totally functional. She can grow up and be an adult and live on her own and have a job, but she's just not super bright. Mm -hmm. At least not like book smart bright. So in the early 20th century, many elites were swept up in the eugenics movement, an ideology marked by a belief that some groups, immigrants, people of color, the poor, the mentally ill, and the disabled, had a bad gene and should not be allowed to breed. The Catholic Church, which was a major part of the Kennedy's, Kennedy family's way of life, refused communion and confirmation to the disabled. If the Kennedys were to be honest about Rosemary's challenges, their friends and other influential people would blame them for passing along defective genes and the religion would shun them and their daughter. Worried... Um that the truth about Rosemary would sully the family reputation and complicate their political aspirations. Rosemary was sent away to various schools and her parents did their best to keep her condition a secret. No one was more frustrated by not being able to make her parents proud than Rosemary herself. Her desire to please them can be felt in letters to her father. Here's a quote. I would do anything to make you so happy. I hate to disappoint you in any way. Come to see me very soon. I get very lonesome every day. That's sad. Learning challenges and parental pressures aside, Rosemary was a vibrant, sweet, social, and friendly person, known for her big smile. She especially loved fashion, swimming, and going out on the town. Her older brothers, Joe Jr. and John, JFK, would often accompany Mer Rosemary to dances. They waltzed her around the ballrooms, brought her punch, stood with her and shared a quiet laugh and stayed with her so that she appeared not different at all. Despite this compassion for his sister, Joe Jr. would later become radicalized on a trip to Germany in 1934 and adopt less than tendered attitudes toward undesirables, including people with disabilities. He wrote home to his father, Hitler has passed the sterilization law, which I think is a great thing. I don't know how the church feels about it, but it will do away with many of the disgusting specimens of men which inhabit this earth. His father seemed to agree in his reply. I think your conclusions are very sound. In 1938, FDR appointed Rosemary's father as ambassador to the United Kingdom. The entire family relocated, and it wasn't long before Rosemary and her younger sister Kathleen were presented to the king and queen in a, in a debutante coming out to high society. 
Despite only having two weeks to prepare while most women dedicated months, Rosemary aced all of the customs she had been taught and apart from a minor stumble in front of the royals, had a perfect evening of socializing and dancing with high profile eligible bachelors. British newspapers were enamored with Rosemary and the beautiful dress she wore and favored her greatly over her sister in their coverage of the events, much to the dismay of her mother. She made an impression on all who saw her and spoke with her and garnered minor celebrity from the event. As Rosemary settled into life abroad, her circumstances continued to improve. Her parents enrolled her in a Montessori school, which traded the competitive quali qualities of Rosemary's home life for a more reassuring, confidence-building approach. Rosemary flourished academically and socially, but just as Rosemary was finally finding comfort and happiness, history intervened. Germany was getting more and more aggressive on the continent, and Rosemary had to first be moved out of London and then out of England entirely. Back in the States, Rosemary became more rebellious and her behavior more erratic. She was known to break out of school and roam the streets of DC. Rosemary's actions worried her parents and wrought, and wrought with stress over Rosemary's safety and their social standing. Joe Sr. and Rose reached a breaking point and began to desperately seek surgical solutions. Joe Sr. had heard news of a new surgery called a prefrontal lobotomy, which was performed as therapy for people with mental disorders, LGBT people, women who were considered too sexual, criminals, and addicts. The surgery... What? Yeah. <laughs> the surgery had only been practiced for three years in the United States. 80% of the patients were women. Evidence suggested that this experimental surgery was risky, unreliable, and often damaging and sometimes lethal. 9% of all patients died. Despite all this, Joe Sr. arranged for Rosemary to undergo the operation without consulting his wife or anyone else in the family. Oh my oh god. Oh my god. Rosemary's head was shaved. She was strapped to an operating table and kept awake for the surgery. The doctors asked her to sing songs like God Bless America recite the Lord's Prayer, and tell stories as they cut into her brain, only stopping after she had gone quiet. They knew right away that it wasn't successful. The attending nurse is said to have been so traumatized by what she saw that she quit her profession. What was once a manageable behavioral problem was now something far worse. Rosemary, then 23 years old, had regressed to the state of a two-year-old, losing her ability to walk and speak. Joe Sr. immediately sent Rosemary to a psychiatric hospital in upstate New York, much to the confusion of her siblings and others. Joe Sr. allegedly told his wife it would be best for her not to visit Rosemary so that she could get accustomed to her new living arrangement. They told everyone else that she was off studying to be a teacher or getting involved in social work. Eunice, the sibling Rosemary was closest to, said that she didn't know where Rosemary was for over a decade. In letters to the family, Joe Sr. kept up a vague facade that Rosemary was getting along quite happily, never once mentioning the surgery. After 1944, all mentions of Rosemary in the family letters stopped. By 1948, John F. Kennedy had been elected to the House of Representatives and had aspirations for higher office. Joe Sr. started to worry about the secret of Rosemary getting out and spoiling things, so he made arrangements to have Rosemary relocated to an institution in Wisconsin, where she would live for the remaining 56 years of her life. He never visited. 
the end. I knew how that story was going to end, but I was still rooting for her. (laughs) I was still rooting for her. And even though I knew it was going to end poorly. That's the little known story of Rosemary Kennedy. (sighs) She just had a, uh, was it Time magazine about her? Yeah, maybe. Did she? Mm -hmm. She was Uh, on the cover. A book came out this year. She's so beautiful. Do they, they don't still do lobotomies, do they? Uh, no. Good. Yeah. But they still shock gay kids, so. Oh, yeah. Maybe someone's doing lobotomies somewhere. Sure. Yeah, they always remind me of Sucker Punch. That's a good movie. I don't care what anyone says. Me either. There's a dog in here. <laughs> yeah, there's I'm a sorry. dog in here. He was just going to cry until no. we let him in. So He's we so had cute. to. Chester, say something funny. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> if you give him his toy, he'll say something. Bless, Bless you. Bless you. <laughs> Should I tell my story now? Yes. Okay. Mine's a murder mystery, guys. I love it. Um, but it's also uh, about a child, so it's also a bummer because <laughs> I hate hearing about kids dying. Oh my Sorry. god, Chester. <laughs> I've done so many child murders, I feel like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is the child murder podcast? <laughs> no. They wreck me. So I'm doing the story of Gary Grant Jr. You know it? I don't Gary. know this one. No, I don't know. You don't know? Mm-hmm. No. I have to hear it. Okay. This dog is too cute for me to tell my sad murder story. <laughs> Chester. Aw, cute Chester Bean. Aww, he's, he's a little he's snowball so boy. Can we post a picture of Chester on yes, the Instagram? Sure. So that yeah. people know what they're hearing. Yeah. Chester, make a weird sound. <laughs> he did. He did make a weird sound. <laughs> But itchy. His toy is right there if you want him to Where stop digging it? in your lap. Is it's it right here. No, it's right here. Oh. Here oh. You don't want it? Go get it. <laughs> okay. Let me do my story. Gosh. Okay. Um, a teacher's conference on Thursday, January 12th, 1984, gave seven-year-old Gary Grant Jr. of Atlantic City, New Jersey, the day off of school. At breakfast, he mentioned to his mother, uh, May, that he had an quote-unquote appointment at 2.30 p.m., the details of which were a secret. Um, Ask your kids when they say... (laughs) It's a uh, secret. It's a secret. (laughs) I was like, okay, It's almost always... um, a murder. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A murder surprise secret. <laughs> Around noon, he went outside to play, saying he'd be back by 4 o'clock p.m. When he failed to return, his mother began to worry. She went to the house where two of Gary's friends lived, and they said that Gary had been there but left to go home around 4.30 p.m. After two hours had passed, May called her husband, Gary Grant Sr., a police detective. Gary Sr. took the night off work to 
um, and search the area fruitlessly until around 1 or 2 a.m. By Friday morning, the police were searching for for Gary. Gary Sr. was pre- um, prevented from joining the official, official search due to regulations, so he began investigating independently. During his investigation, he met several people who remembered seeing Gary early that morning. A man named Robert Huey realized that the disappearance was near a warehouse he owned. <gasps> warehouse. <gasps> warehouse. Warehouse he owned and searched the property. At 3.30 p.m. on Saturday, he discovered Gary's body in a vacant lot near the warehouse less than two blocks from his home. The father found it? Uh, Yes. Because they wouldn't let him because he was a detective and it was his family? Searching on his own. Oh, wait. Is that what? No, 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 no. Um, Sorry. Uh, The Robert Huey guy Uh, um, realized that he disappeared around the warehouse and then he must have lived there or something. Um, uh, Police noted that he had been bludgeoned to death and that a length of... Uh, sorry, to death, and that a length of pipe was near his body. Around the same time, Gary Sr. came upon the scene and had to be restrained when he realized what happened. Oh, God. Nearly two years later, on January 4th, 1986, a message on the side of a police car was discovered around 3 o'clock a.m. The message read, Gary Grant is dead. I am living. Another will die on January 12th, 1980. <laughs> that thing he's trying to get. Sorry. It's that, okay. Like, it looks like clothes, but it's his toy. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Uh, it's okay. Um, the message read, Gary Grant is dead. I am living. Another will die January 12th, 1986. If all goes right. Unquote. The date inscribed was the second anniversary of Gary's murder. A few weeks later, another message was found scratched into a sidewalk reading, Gary Grant Jr. lives. I still killed him. Son, sorry, son of a pig officer. Payback is a motherfucker, unquote. This message led to the belief that Gary was killed as revenge against his father, possibly by someone he arrested. Jeez. That's kind of dumb to say, because then they have, like, somewhere to start looking. Yeah. But, I mean, it's okay. probably not true, right? Well, on the day that Gary's body was found, investigators began questioning people in the area. One person mentioned seeing Gary on Thursday near the local middle school with Carl, uh, his nickname was Boo, Manson, or Mason, sorry, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> Whoopsie. <laughs> Um, uh, a, uh, sorry, he was, um, his disabled, uh, 12 year old friend, uh, Gary's friend. Um, when questioned, Carl said he last saw Gary on Wednesday when they rode their bikes at Texas Avenue Park. The two had planned to meet on Thursday, but Gary never showed up. Many people... Um, people that detectives questioned said Carl and Gary had met on Thursday. Hmm. Um, by midnight, Carl, accompanied by his grandmother, was taken to police headquarters. 
he was god damn it cheddar he was separated from his grandmother and questioned his responses were inconsistent and his uh recollection uh frequently changed his recollection sorry frequently changed Around 3 o'clock a.m., Carl said he had not only been with Gary at the crime scene, but that he had hit him leaving when uh, Gary fell and didn't stand up again. Police felt Carl knew things only the killer would know and typed up a a confession for him and his grandmother to sign. Though he insisted he hadn't murdered Gary, Carl signed the confession, believing he would get to go home if he did. Carl was charged with the murder and moved to a juvenile detention center. On Sunday, January 15th, Carl was given a polygraph exam, which yielded um, inconclusive results. A second exam was given on January 18th. Both tests agreed that Carl was telling the truth about not killing Gary, but doubted that um, that he was telling the truth about not being at the crime scene. A month after Carl's arrest, a hearing determined that Carl's confession was not um, admissible evidence, as one of the statements were made voluntarily. The charges against Carl were dropped. Gary Sr. believes Carl's older brother, who was arrested on robbery charges days before Gary's murder, may have tried to force Gary into taking part in a scheme where he used children to rob houses. In such a situation, Gary, the son of a police officer, would likely refuse and instead try to inform the police, which could have led to his murder and attempt to silence him. And it's unsolved. Another weird thing, like the, um, the sidewalk and on the side of the police car notes, there's also a weird 911 call that happened. If you guys would like to hear it. Yeah. 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 Yes, please. Okay. Just one second. Is it someone calling to report the messages? You'll see. Or, okay, sorry. <laughs> okay, hang on. Can you just play the chimp tearing that lady's face off? We should Travis. do that someday. Travis, now. He's got her face on. Sorry. Uh, where is it? It's coming up. It's like a long video. Mm, okay. Okay, so here is the 911 call that was received. Are you ready, Malik? Okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, is it possible for me to collect the reward on my own self for the murder of Gary Grant? No, I'll have to buy it myself. I want to collect the own reward. If you did it? Yeah. Well, suppose I hook you into the detective bureau. So if you can't understand what he's saying, because it's kind of muffled, this is the dialogue. The caller says, ah, yes. Uh, is it is it possible for me to collect the reward on my own self for the murder of Gary Grant? Perhaps if I did it myself and I want to collect the reward. 
and the 911 caller uh, the 911 dispatcher says if you did it and the caller says yeah and the 911 um 911 says uh Suppose I hook you to the detective bureau and the caller says, hmm, no, that's okay. Just make sure they know it isn't a prank call. You're never going to catch me. And then they hung up. What? I would have said, yeah, come on in. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's You won the jackpot. Yep. So they never found out who killed that little boy. That's sad. Even with all those clues and stuff. Hmm. That almost sounded familiar, like when you yeah. said that that um, he was like tricked into signing the confession. But that just happens a lot. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, making a murderer to that kid. Yeah, I know people do that to kids, man. Yep. Especially and that was it, like it a was disabled a, kid. Yeah. yeah. Same with same with the kid on making a murderer. Yeah. He was. He just wanted to go to WrestleMania. Oh, I've been wanting to watch that again. What you looking for? My water. It's over there. <laughs> Thank you, Kyle. The water boy. I'm the fan boy. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like I have heard that story before. Yeah. it was. It's kind of a popular one. That's yeah. why I was like wondering if you guys knew about it. I, I never heard it. I love all those weird ones where there's like creepy, weird stuff yeah. surrounding it. And there's all there's pictures of the sidewalk writing and the on the cop car writing so we can maybe post those on the instagram yeah but cool yeah or you could google it your damn self yeah <laughs> but we'll probably post stop it. being Be an so adult and look it up yourself honestly people <laughs> just kidding we'll put it on the instagram and i'll post some pictures of rosemary kennedy who got her brain chopped oh, yeah, off i wanted to look up a picture of her to see what she looked like got her brain chopped off that's sad yeah, i mean basically but okay so that's where I ended the story because it was turning pretty long. But like when her siblings found out what had happened and where she was, they started oh visiting her and like she lived to be pretty old considering that like the Kennedy clan is cursed. Everyone seems to kind of pass away pretty young. So like a lot of her siblings, kids would go to visit her. And then a lot of them also got involved in, um, legislation involving like lobotomies and like mental illness and disabled people and one of her nephews was like the president of the special olympics and someone else did um wait this is her mm-hmm. that's wow. her. Wow. i want to see that's her wow, at the w thing. wow i'm mad they did that to her at 23 and it was just because she was acting weird. They didn't want to get embarrassed. And so she she was just like that forever then? Yeah. Like a vegetable pretty much? Yeah, she was very near like a vegetative state. She could communicate somewhat. I think she was rehabilitated a little bit, but I don't think she could ever really speak. Um, oh. When she got older... They um they like built her her own little house on the premises. She looks like a movie star. Yeah, she's gorgeous. Look at her. Wow. Look at her, Kyle. She had like her own little cottage on the uh, mental hospital grounds and like private caretakers. And she had like a pet poodle and a canary. Oh, just like Chester. Yeah, Chester has a poodle and a canary. 
Just kidding. He is a poodle <laughs> and a canary. Uh-huh. He's a poodle. Why do I keep seeing Emma Stone's photo next to her? Is there going to be a movie? Ooh, maybe there's going to be a movie. It does say Emma Stone to star in Rosemary Kennedy biopic. Ooh, I didn't know that. But yeah, like a like when I went to find, like when I went to do research on her, there's a bunch of recent articles. Yeah. So it was like not hard to find information. They're probably going to make a movie. Yeah. Because like there's probably several books on her, but there was like one that came out earlier this year that was really popular hmm. yeah i keep seeing the cover of it huh let me see of the book oh never mind <laughs> oh of of i just want to look at emma stone oh her giant cat eyes yep interesting so that's pretty sad yeah <laughs> bummer how long is it where are we at where are we at on this on this Biatch. All hmm. right. Where? We're at 49 oh, minutes. Oh, okay. I was going to say. Does anybody else have any fun stories? Let me think. Like lobotomies? I almost wrote down some other lobotomy horror stories. Tennessee Williams' older sister got really? a lobotomy. Mm-hmm. Ow. And it influenced some of his plays. There was this one guy who was lobotomized when he was like 12 without his parents telling him. And it was just because he was like hyper. And then like he found out when he was like 26 that he had a lobotomy when he was 12. Whoa. Yeah. People but was just he okay after that? Yeah. Sometimes people function normally. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people die. Some people, I mean, it, it can go very, very wrong. Mm-hmm. That's so weird that when you put an ice pick behind someone's eye that it's not always accurate. That's strange. (laughs) Yeah, right? I can't believe it. Just when you're chipping away at someone's head, things can go wrong. Because don't they just kind of like guess? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, they can't see. They're just bopping through your eyeball. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not through your eyeball. I don't like things that like... Is it not through your eye? It's not through your eye. They like move your eye over and oh, put. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. oh, sorry. That's okay. <laughs> I I thought it was through your eye, but like it's so weird no. that your brain's just back there. Yeah, they just yeah. <laughs> they move your eye over and go in like by your tear duct. Oh goodness. If anyone's ever seen Fringe, there's a scene where one of the characters tries to give himself a lobotomy. It's really sad. Oh my god. He... Yeah, let's not do self lobotomies. That's probably not good. Um. Yeah. Yeah. It's warm in here. It's very warm. At least we're not in. It's like the hottest room in this house. We also just can't like have the fan on because it's too noisy and stuff. But we can just use your fidget spinners as a fan. That's what I've been (gasps) doing. I didn't even think about that. (laughs) It also makes you cool in other ways. Oh, play on words. Very sexy. Very sexy. My fidget spinner has emojis on it. <laughs> Very sexy. <laughs> oh, that's um, funny. Right before we started recording, my brother <laughs> sent me a uh, Fox 5 DC little article about a sex offender. And there's like a, a composite sketch of what he should look like. <laughs> Can I see again? <laughs> it looks like a cartoon... I don't, I don't know. It doesn't look like a human. Nobody looks like this. <laughs> it's so silly. The nostrils are like flared permanently. I love composite sketches. Me too. Oh, they're so fun. <laughs> it's all 
phone's silent, I swear. What's going on with you? <laughs> My phone is fucking weird. Malik's phone is haunted. It's because all you do is watch porn on it. It's got viruses. I just got a new phone. <laughs> I didn't have my last phone. Aww, Remember? Aw, Malik. Remember that story you told us of when you were at Disneyland and you flashed everyone on the Jungle Cruise? Yeah. <laughs> Not all of that is wrong. That's how I remember it. Uh-huh. And you got kicked out. Yeah, and you're not allowed back. They have your picture on the wall and that says no. No Malik. I can afford it anyways, so it's okay. Oh, <laughs> how sad. I want to go to Disneyland. Same. I went My... on that new Guardians of the Galaxy ride. Dang. Was it fun? It was so fun. It was oh, so cool. cool. <laughs> Is that like a droppy droppy ride? Yeah. My friend does blood drives, mm-hmm. and you can win like park hopper passes Ooh. for donating blood, but Let's... it ain't worth it. <laughs> you I, can. I I'm not. Can I get two? Can I get three? I don't know. Five. I think what it's if like I a drawing. All my blood. But I was like, yeah, not worth it. You ain't poking me today. <laughs> I don't mind getting poked. You'll never catch me, copper. It's weird that like I'm okay with getting tattoos, but like I ain't okay with getting my blood drawn. Yeah, I'm okay with tattoos, but not. I can't do it. It hurts, and it's it. It makes me weak. I can't do it. Do you know I, your blood type? I can't no. do it. I don't. I don't know why. I always like knowing people's blood types. I'll find out. I bet but my mom knows. knows. What are you? I'm B positive. Wow, isn't that cute? That is cute. That's so cute. It's very you. It's very Kelly. Thank you. Welcome. Isn't there like some sort of like horoscope thing where you can just guess your personality by your blood type? If that's not a thing, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna make it. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be fun. Get back at the hipsters for putting bird seed in my granola bars. <laughs> what? And turning the frogs gay. I was eating a granola bar today and I looked down at it and there's like fucking bird seed in it. And I was like, sure? this isn't for humans. Are you sure it wasn't just bird seed? Because they sure. make like those little bars that you put in your bird feeders. I've seen those, and I didn't know. Th- I thought those were for birds, and I didn't know they were for humans because they put them with the human food. Those those like, sesame <laughs> bars. <laughs> they're for they they look like bird seed. Anyway, oh, like the like the Mexican candy things. Mm-hmm. I love those. I didn't know those were for humans. I'm hungry. But. I guess they are. Can There's I stop this so I can eat? <laughs> okay. What are you going to eat? Well, my Sour Patch Kids. That's not dinner. <laughs> yes, it is. You can't have candy for dinner. I can do whatever I want, Mom. I'm not your mom. You're right. Chris is my mom. Well, Chester. <sighs> I know the Facebook's for... Uh, oh, Chris. Oh, Yeah. Said that Lindsay was my child. Oh yeah, Lindsay Wilkinson. Yeah, it's <laughs> my name. You also took a quiz like, "What celebrity couple are you?" And you got Ellen and Portia. Uh huh. I'm Ellen. <laughs> yeah. I'm totally the Ellen. So Eric is Portia. Uh huh. That's Aww. cute. That's really cute. Yeah. Should we plug our stuff? Plug it. I guess. Okay. You're uh, doing <laughs> me? Okay. You do it every Can I episode. try it? Yeah, do it. Because I don't know it very well. Okay. okay. So our Facebook is Brave Girls Podcast or Brave Girls Club Podcast. Yeah. Our email, if you want to send us a spooky story of something that happened to you or someone you know, 
It is bravegirlspodcast at gmail.com. Get it, girl. <laughs> Our Instagram is bravegirlspodcast. Mm-hmm. And we have Twitter also, bravegirlspod. Mm-hmm. And you can follow us and keep up with all of our shenanigans there on all of those social media outlets and anything else, Chester? <laughs> he uh, just started to kiss on the microphone. Chester, what else? Anything else? No? Okay. I think that's it. <laughs> all right. That's it then. So thanks for listening. Yeah. See you next week. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> right. Bye. Okay, bye. <laughs>